Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. This next wave of AI, it will be impossible to avoid. It will be impossible to ignore. Content we read or watch will be partially or completely created by AI. Video that we watch, uh, even up to like Hollywood movies in the coming years, will be created by AI. Intelligence, all kinds of stuff that we are consuming, interacting with, it will be really kind of hard to avoid. What's up, podcast listener? Welcome back to another week of No Blackout Dates. My name's Tim. And I'm Evan. And we are here with our 100th episode of No Blackout Dates. We got a big party going on today with Matador Network CEO Ross Borden. We're going to be chatting all things AI and how it is going to play out in the travel industry over the next few years. Yes. Yeah. We finally have a reason to use some noise effects here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll put some balloons in the show notes, too. I need an excuse to use that app on my phone. Before before we get into the party, however, we're going to do our hot takes section. And, Eben, my question for you today is, what is one thing, as we're talking about AI, what is one thing that you are afraid of? Everything. I'm literally AI... afraid of everything. Oh, AI. What is one thing you're afraid of as AI becomes more widely adopted in society? I guess... Losing the human touch, because I think the real value in reading travel articles, in getting recommendations from people is their personal experience and hearing what they went through and what they what they liked and didn't like and their stories, their crazy, you know, travelogues. And for me, like writing first person narratives. And I think AI has the potential to take that personal touch out of the mix. I don't think it has to, but I do think that if used improperly, that's what we're looking at. So I guess that's my fear. When I look at, when I Google or when I look at where, where, where to eat or what's some of the best restaurants in Paris or what's a, what's a cool island in the Caribbean for you know a bachelor party, I trust a robot less than an actual human being to explain to me why I should go to these places. And I think that there's room for AI in this space for sure, but I think it needs to prove its trustworthiness first. Uh, so I guess that's my fear. What about you? Okay. No, that yeah, that's legit. I I agree. For me, I'm given how poorly our society is educated on media literacy, as you see with, you know, Fox News being considered legitimate uh, stuff like that. My biggest fear is the deep fakes. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of issues coming to terms with, with what's real and what's not uh, going forward. And, like, to, to hone it down to me personally, I'm kind of afraid that someone's going to deep fake me and make me say some super offensive thing and, like, ruin my media career. And we know that, there, that people in general have such a big problem parsing what's real from what's not real, especially when it comes to media and news. So I think the advent of AI really throws all that into question and and will even further widen the gulf between people who can think critically about uh sourcing and reputable uh information and the people that maybe are more prone to buy into conspiracies and deepfakes for sure uh i i i'm wondering what's the solution like what is going to happen to educate people all of us 
on what is real and what's not and what kind of regulations will be put into place because I'm sure that there will be regulations at some point. I think people are just going to be more skeptical of everything. I don't think your, your brain is going to be able to immediately pick out whether that celebrity's voice is really their voice or not or what's written by AI and what isn't unless it's like unless it's really bad AI. I think that we're all just going to be trained to be more skeptical and more yeah. reluctant and a little more cautious. I think that's pretty much where this is heading or just to not care. Maybe that's even the worst case scenario to not care if something is real or not, or AI or not. Um, and be a little less discerning. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, with that, um, I got a hot take, Tim, don't stifle me. Oh yeah. Sorry. God damn it. AI hasn't replaced me yet on this show. You All know, right. I got, I have a voice <laughs> hundred episodes, Tim, hundred episodes. Yep. You're trying to, trying to edge out my hot takes for 100 episodes i've been trying to be the only host of no blackout takes (laughs) uh jokes on you isn't it um my hot take for you what aspect of travel would most benefit from being replaced completely by ai anything that has to do with long lines uh airports like tsa security um anything with anything that is like really slowing down the process yeah, I mean, TSA would be my initial answer, I guess. But I, the I mean, the human element of that isn't exactly efficient. But I could see if it was all run by robots. Like, I go through, I trigger the alarm for no reason. Like, it sometimes happens. Some robot pulls me aside, inspects me, decides my shoelaces are somehow weapons. And the whole thing ends with me being put in a chokehold by some terminator like robot and it makes me nervous is what i'm saying is the the security stuff yeah. worn by robots makes me nervous because it's just they're so minute with what they detect and i feel like that could go haywire for sure it could and i think you know even if there were uh you know ai elements enacted there there would still have to be some human elements too like it couldn't just be an unmanned station by nobody maybe there are fewer actual people but it couldn't be unmanned it's kind of like the self-checkout at the grocery store right like there's still somebody there for when something doesn't go as it's supposed to yeah sometimes you need just as many people manning the self-checkouts as you do manning a regular checkout register which i always was like why do you even bother having the self-checkout you still have to pay these people to man the i don't know that's my own uh personal thing i always i think passport control like customs would be good to be replaced by ai right like that's a long line yeah it's it's just an easy process i never understood why there's a line at all like a robot could easily ask the same three questions a human could you know like where are you going where are you coming from did you, you bring any hazardous material? Are you a terrorist? No? Okay, good. Have a nice day. Yeah. Do you have onward travel booked? Whatever it is. It, right. And they could have the technology to detect signs of like obvious lying or like subterfuge. And then if the robot's really suspicious, a human could be brought in. But, you know, I think that's one area that's so inefficient and does not need to be. Everyone gets asked the same questions gets res- and responds in the exact same way. Bring in the AI. Okay, well, with that, we will get into it with Ross, and we'll see you on the other side. Ross Borden is the CEO of Matador Network, and he's here to discuss how artificial intelligence might change travel, the evolving role of tech in the travel industry, and uh, how soon Tim and I will be replaced on this podcast by robots. Ross, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I want to kick it off by starting with the basics. How does artificial intelligence function, um, especially when it comes to the world of media that we live in? And how is it currently being applied to the travel industry? Yeah, well, I should have. I should start this with um, a disclaimer that I am not an AI expert, nor am I an expert on machine learning or anything sort of related to AI. I'm I'm an enthusiast. I'm really excited about what AI could bring to travel. I'm an AI nerd in that I'm like looking at, you know, new technologies, following people who are sort of diving into this from a journalistic perspective, but you know, from, from a layman's term, I guess, or from my understanding, you know, we're seeing a lot of different technologies sort of converge. There's like hype around crypto and blockchain. There's hype around robotics and, and huge, uh, you know, leaps and bounds of technological advancement with those two. There's, um, genetic stuff, there's machine learning and AI. And I, I would say like, three years ago, you know, everyone's known these, all these things are not only coming, but they're coming at the same time, which like, if you listen to like Kathy Wood or someone like that, who's like very pro futurist, pro technology, um, she and her team at ARK Invest, they're thinking that this is going to be like this mega boon for travel, not because one or two of these things are emerging, but because like five of these key technologies are all emerging at once. And then when looking at these things and reading up on them and following all these futurists and technologists, I think until very recently, uh, machine learning and, and AI was kind of boring. And now, especially with ChatGPT out and, and fully in the mainstream for anyone to sort of play with and, and get their minds blown by, um, we're seeing that, okay, no, it's not boring. AI is really going to change everything about everything, or at least it has the potential to. So, you know, I think for, we'll get into sort of specific applications for travel, but, um, I think that the amazing jump that's happening is, is sort of twofold. One is that um, these large language models have essentially like swallowed the entire internet, every book, every poem, every podcast, um, you know, a lot of just a, a massive amount of information, facts and figures, in addition to being able to talk and almost think like a human and converse, um, there's just so much language, so much uh, knowledge at at the AI's fingertips and we, you you ask a question, you don't need necessarily, I think going to like a website and looking for what you're looking on that webpage is going to start to look pretty old school because soon enough, we're just going to ask a question, get the best answer right off the bat. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good starting point. You mentioned crypto there kind of right off the bat. And I think that was an interesting thing to bring up because AI so far seems to kind of draw the same cultural line in the sand as crypto does, where you have a legion of forward-thinking, tech-savvy, entrepreneurially-minded people uh, that are hopping on the bandwagon and are all about it and are pushing it forward and adopting it into you know their life and their business and yada, yada, yada. And then you have, on the other side of that, you have a, a group of people that are kind of more, quote-unquote, set in their ways uh, and are A, completely confused about what's going on, and B, 
view AI as an immediate threat to their job and their security and are therefore very resistant to it. Do you see AI kind of having a similar cultural adoption where it goes up, it gets a little mean, mainstream, and then maybe there's a so-called winter or a crash where we, we reach a kind of technological breaking point that needs to be addressed? Or do you think it's just going to be a smooth adoption? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think that one distinct characteristic that I, I think would, would separate the two is that, um, you know, for crypto, you had like the launch of or the, the IPO of Coinbase, which the, I think the day before the IPO, that was like the peak of the peak. Um, but for AI, we've seen, you know, two or three trillion dollar companies completely change their offering and their business model and react to AI. That's never happened before. Um, and, and that would be indicative to me of something that is not just a fad that could be here today, gone tomorrow. But when you have Google and Microsoft and companies like this, um, literally change the way they operate, change the products that they demo and are literally in a race to launch those products. Um, that is, that's a big deal. You know, there's plenty of incredibly smart people in those organizations. So this is not like a knee jerk reaction to another fad, um, in terms of, you know, and, and I think of course there's, there are people that are skeptical. There are people that are scared of what this could mean either for society or is my job secure? Am I going to be replaced? Um, that's totally natural. And I think very valid too. a lot of the concerns around AI, um, from, you know, listen, find, find somewhere one minute of me talking, and then you can make my voice say anything. That's pretty terrifying. I don't think the world is ready for deep fakes. Like I saw something on Twitter that like, there's a deep fake of Joe Rogan endorsing some weird supplement or something on TikTok. Um, and I think, you know, it looks so real that it's going to take a while for people to think critically around that kind of stuff. So, um, I think the healthy skepticism is, is healthy. It's just that, and there's no, you know, that's just part of, um, what's, what we're going to see over the next couple months and years. However, I think the adoption will be almost forced where like, if you thought crypto was bullshit, like just you, you're not going to get into crypto, you can ignore it. I think this next wave of AI and then the, the next waves, like the next bigger models and the more competition in the market and more startups, it will be impossible to avoid. It will be impossible to ignore. Um, and, and I think we will start to see it in our everyday lives. Honestly, whether we see it or not, content we read or watch will be um, partially or completely created by AI. Um, video that we watch, uh, even up to like Hollywood movies in the coming years will be created by AI. Uh, you know, intelligence, all kinds of stuff that we are consuming, interacting with, um, it will be really kind of hard to avoid. I want to call myself out for having been bamboozled by a deep fake of Joe Biden supposedly reading an ad spot the other day. Completely, a thousand percent believed it was Joe Biden. It was not Joe Biden. Yeah. And it sounded exactly like him. That was the first introduction I had to AI replicating audio. Um, 
so yeah i don't think the world's ready because i'm definitely not ready yeah and imagine that with video i mean there's yeah, yeah, there's, yeah I, I feel like there's a tiktok account with it with the fake tom cruise that i mean it's it's unbelievable how good it is and he's it's got him yeah. dancing and doing all this ridiculous shit and um but the first time i saw it i was like wow tom cruise really coming out of the gates firing on all cylinders <laughs> tiktok and then i was like wait a minute is this a deep fake and then i went and saw the rest of the videos and i was like man that is that is hard to uh, yeah. hard to decide for that that's my biggest fear is just ai making me feel like an absolute moron which it already is starting to do so especially in like the the length of a short tiktok video like there's not enough time to sit there and be like there's no way tom cruise actually said that you know you don't think that until after the video is over yeah and we you know we're pretty savvy folks like you know i think Imagine the people who've never heard of AI, which is still most of the world, uh, have no idea what a deep fake is. So for them seeing a video, you know, that's that's the video, that's the celebrity, that's Joe Biden, that's Joe Rogan. Like, it's just going to be a, a really, really steep learning curve, I think, for the world. Um, however, all of that said, you know, will AI replace humans, human intelligence, everyone's job? No. I don't think it will. I think um, if I were to guess for a lot of industries, AI will give humans who use it well a, a really incredible advantage to those who don't. Um, but just like self-driving cars, you know, we were told five years ago that by now every car on the road would be driving by itself, or at least the, the Teslas would be in um, and you drive these cars and they're still a fair, a fair ways off of full self-driving in a safe way. I don't trust it for one, yeah, like long, long way away. Yeah. So, you know, again, you got to sort of like temper the hype cycle and like, this is going to change everything overnight. And, you know, um, and it's going to replace everyone's job. You probably not, but, um, you can see how those who leverage it in whatever they do, whether it's, you know, as a creator or at, at a job, if you're a lawyer or whatever, whatever, uh, you do for a living or personal sort of passions and hobbies, it could definitely catapult you and, and, and make you a lot more productive. So as it relates to travel specifically, I want to talk about, I guess, Matador as a case study, because soon Matador is going to be releasing guy. Are we calling it guide guy, right? Is that guide what it is? Geek. Yeah. Guide, guide geek. geek, guide yeah. geek. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how Matador is harnessing AI for travel purposes? Yeah. So, I mean, we're really excited about this. We thought about, all right, how can we leverage having you know, all the knowledge immediately without having to create an article or a big itinerary. I think a lot of, I've already seen a couple sort of startups and the beginnings of startups, little products out there in the wild where you, you create a bunch of inputs. Um, this is, this is how I travel this is where I want to go. Here are my dates. These are the things I'm interested in. And and it builds it um, a, a full itinerary pretty quickly, stuff like that. I think for us, when we sat down and thought about like, how could we best leverage this technology? It was one, it was, we want to do something conversational. So our, our technology at um, GuideGeek is actually deployed over chat. We're starting with WhatsApp because it's so lightweight, um, it's private. 
it is, and it's, you know, it comes with, um, 2 billion users already. And it's funny, like a lot of Americans still don't have WhatsApp, but you travel the rest of the world and you're like, Oh my God, the entire world runs on WhatsApp. Yeah, it's everywhere. Um, and, and the only Americans that, the, the Americans that have WhatsApp are the Americans that are traveling abroad. They right? travel, like, totally. Because they've seen it. And it's like, you know, you travel to a lot of countries and you're like, if I don't download this, it's a pain in the ass. I can't, I can't do anything. And so, and it, that started with me of like, oh, keeping in touch with people and meeting up with people and, and sort of like personal one-on-one -on -one logistics like that. Um, or if I meet someone super awesome, I want to stay connected with them on WhatsApp. But now you see there's like a lot of WhatsApp for business. So, you know, if you like, I was in Bali recently with my family and we were just ordering food on WhatsApp, like getting, finding a river guide on WhatsApp, like, um, ever, literally everything for our trip was on WhatsApp, not just human to human, um, sort of communication, but more like everything, like all kinds of commerce and like local stuff. So yeah, so we were excited about that. And also, um, you know, everyone travels differently. Personally, I like travel to unfold spontaneously and not always have a super dialed plan. Um, I went to Iceland with a, uh, a group of people, I was probably like eight years ago. And this one, one of the couples on the trip was like really into planning and had clearly spent like months and months planning every choreographed minute of this trip, everywhere we'd eat, every waterfall, every hike. And, you know, it was, it was nice because we kind of just showed up and, and had this incredible trip planned for us. But when I travel, I really like to just kind of like walk around and get lost and, and have, um, the flexibility of things to unfold spontaneously. The the flip side of that is that, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, now my kid is starving. I'm in some random alley in Barcelona. I have no idea what's around me, what our options are. Um, and so I need a quick answer to a quick question. And so that's kind of the premise that we built. Um, and, and we can do, you know, uh, GuideGeek can do super detailed itineraries. It can find... Airbnbs and hotels that if you want to plan a trip far in advance, but it's also really good at getting like very quick answers to fast questions. Um, so we look at it as something that can be used to plan um, anything from a weekend road trip to, you know, an African safari and everything in between. And it can be used when you're actually on that tr road trip or you land in Cape Town and you're like, where are we having dinner? we're down at the waterfront, what's around me that's good. So, um, and, I, and I think, you know, overarching goal on all this and sort of the interesting thing about the travel industry is that there just hasn't been a lot of innovation for like decades in travel. You know, we are, um, my friend Rafat Ali who runs Skift, which is like, for those who don't know, it's like the Wall Street Journal of travel. It's not travel inspiration for consumers. It's like the business of travel, of airline business, global hospitality, destination marketing. Um, Rafat, he, he did a video recently that was like, will AI break us out of the sort of um, the search box that we've been stuck in for, you know, the last three decades or more, where it's like, 
where am I going? What's my destination airport? How many travelers? What are my dates? Um, and, and make travel more of this conversational exploration, um, which I think is really exciting. Cause I think the fact is when someone lands on Expedia or kayak or Matador's homepage, they oftentimes don't know where they want to go. They don't know how they necessarily want to travel or what they're looking for. They want to explore. And so, um, guide geek is a way to have essentially like a personal travel advisor in your pocket at all times. Um, who's ready to give you information and kind of show you what's possible. So it basically eliminates the need to really do a ton of research and advance for those who are semi-spontaneously minded, because people are always going to do that if that's their, their travel style to, you know, weeks in advance, look up every hotel, every restaurant, map out their routes. But if you're the kind of person that wants to take a spontaneous trip you, with this assurance that there's a safety net that if you do want to know, okay, where can I go and eat in this neighborhood? Where can I crash last minute if I haven't booked a hotel? You can kind of just input that information and know that you're going to get it and not be up the creek, basically. It's it's good for spontaneous travelers like myself. However, it's also good for those people who have spent days or weeks of their life doing the meticulous planning. Because instead of doing like massive research on Google or searching for Airbnbs or anything like that. You just like ask it simple questions or, you know, detailed questions. Like if I'm staying in East London with my family and we want to eat at this kind of, you know, budget level, these are the kinds of activities we want to do. Um, give me an itinerary or recommend hotels and restaurants. It can just save you a massive amount of time and give you at least a really good footing and first step on that detailed travel plan that you want to put together. So it's really good for the planner and it's good for the spontaneous traveler. Do you foresee any, um, I guess, pain points when it comes to trust? Because when people look for travel recommendations, people trust people, whether it's someone they know, like a friend, or even just someone on TripAdvisor that's writing a review, a complete stranger they value another person's opinion because they can relate to that person's experience. While the AI chatbot might have super helpful and even accurate information, because it's coming from a machine rather than a person, do you think travelers will have trouble trusting or valuing the information the same way? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and I think the answer is yes, I think they will have trouble always trusting. And that's why what we're trying to build with Guide Geek is something that combines the speed and just sort of global knows almost everything understanding of AI with the human touch of fact checking. Is this the best flight at this time? Um, is this a place that's, you know, still in business? Is this, do we, if they want a hotel like this, do we have any more to recommend, um, from us or our partners? And so I think again, just like we were talking about before where AI, just like self-driving is not just going to like arrive and dominate and replace everything. I think the, the beauty of, of guide geek and the model that we're trying to pursue is the blend of AI and human help, human editors, um, to really sort of find that balance. 
Um, I've been I've been pretty blown away when I first started playing with ChatGPT a couple months ago with everyone else. Um, I was blown away by like when it was wrong, how sure it was, <laughs> like just straight up making shit up. Like I I I was asking about a couple local places that I knew, and one of my questions was, um, <clears throat> how do you get from? What's the best way to get from? Uh, and this is chat GPT, you know, and I, and I was, I felt like I was like, you know, pretty good at giving it the right prompt and getting the right result most of the time. But I said, um, if I'm in Bolinas, California, how do I get across the channel to Stinson beach, California? And instantly it just said it, there's a ferry. The ferry runs every hour. Like there has never been a ferry. Uh, there's never been a ferry across the Bolinas channel. So that was the first time I was like, holy shit, it just totally made that up. And then it even was like Bolinas to Stinsonferry.com. It like made up a fake URL <laughs> uh, that obviously didn't exist. And so And now you've right got a whole then, crowd of people standing on the shore waiting for a ferry and there's no ferry. Yeah, I mean if you're yeah. a tourist, you're like, Hey, we don't we don't need an Uber. We can just take the ferry. You'd get there and ask people and they'd be like, Are you kidding me? There's there's definitely no ferry. You gotta swim. So um yeah, there are definitely limitations and, and, you know, reason to n make sure that, uh, fact checking is still important. And I think that will be something that also can, can switch the other way of like, yeah, this is a great technology, but it's not perfect. So kind of adding on to that, I think another hiccup that I think is going to take some overcoming is that AI and in particular generative AI doesn't have the human voice or the ability to draw on closely held memories or experiences to produce like that first person narrative that people are accustomed to in travel recommendations, for example, in this case. Uh, what do you think is going to take to get over that? And do you see any other hurdles like that in implementing AI uh, as a kind of instantaneous solution when people are so accustomed to receiving information in a certain way? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll just, well, I guess we'll have to see. I think it will lie in, you know, how, honestly, like learning from the mistakes of AI uh, in terms of like, if it does give a bad answer, can we at, you know, GuideGeek or other, the thousand other startups launching this month around AI, what is, what's the next step when that error is identified? Um, and what is, what's the answer it should have given and then what was the whole user experience when it gave that wrong answer? Did they, you know, go off into the sunset with the wrong information? Did, were they able to give feedback when they realized it was inaccurate? They're um, swimming across the channel. That's what they're doing now. Yeah. yeah. So I think that'll be sort of the, the key moment, but there's no doubt. I mean, by and large, I have, I have played with guide geek for literally hours and um, by and large, it is extremely powerful and accurate in most situations. Um, and so I've, I've, and it's even for me, right. I'm helping develop this technology for Matador and I'm kind of on the leading edge and working with our technology team to build it and test it and tweak it and test it again. Um, and I've even had to sort of like remind myself to change my own behavior because, like this this weekend, uh, my partner's uh, family's in town, and um, and and she and I are taking them all up to the wine country for a big weekend on the Russian River. And I was about to go search 
Google for you know the best restaurants in Guerneville. And I was like, wait a minute, like I, I still have to catch myself to change my behavior. So I think it's going to, um, and then I got like incredible recommendations from Guide Geek. And then I went uh, on a tangent with my son asking it about fishing conditions and where we could go fly fishing. Um, and it's really incredibly powerful, but it's still, it's going to take some time for people to be like, oh, I don't really need to go to Google anymore to plan this. It's much faster to just ask uh, the AI within WhatsApp. Beyond just searching though, and changing how people search and get information, what else can travelers expect from AI the next few years, do you think? Like what other spheres of the travel industry will artificial intelligence start to maybe infiltrate beyond travel recommendations? Yeah, another good question. I mean, I think, like I said, because of the hype cycle, for better or for worse, you're going to see thousands of new startups uh, emerge. And so who knows, you know, one of them could be the next Airbnb. Um, but I, I think it will definitely infiltrate every corner of travel, whether it's travel recommendations, it's finding cheap flights and hotels, it's, you know, connecting with people or peer to peer advice that you're getting from a, a, a human through some sort of combination of AI and blockchain. Um, I think we're going to see more innovation in travel in the next five years than we've seen in travel in the last 50. You know, I keep thinking of that movie, Her, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, where he's dating the AI operating system and he falls in love with it only to learn that, quote unquote, she is dating millions of other people at the same time. And none of the emotions it expresses to him are actual feelings of affection. Yeah. And I feel like there are going to be some moments of emotional distress like this in the coming years as humans become more accustomed to interacting with non-human voice and text services uh, that are seemingly as interactive and engaged as an actual person. I'm curious what you see as a, a way to get past that or how long it might take for the average person to be able to reframe their mindset around communication so that they're not becoming emotionally attached or emotionally distressed. Tim, have you been working with AI so much that you've lost the ability to emote as a, as a human being? Is this what you're trying to express to us right yes. now? Yes. My life is in shambles and I no longer know who I am and I'm trying to find a center point. You're trying to use this as a support group? Yeah. I mean, that, that uh, when ChatGPT came out and I was trying to explain to my mom, I told her to go watch her because that was such a brilliant film and I love, Joaquin Phoenix is like one of my favorite actors, like such a genius weirdo in, in all of the films he does. And that was so far ahead of its time. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, a lot of that stuff is probably going to come true. I, I think uh, loneliness is such a thing, uh, you know, around the world. And that imagine if you had an AI that you could talk to and would listen and give you that sort of emotional support that I think so many people need. Um, in terms of like, you know, services, planning things, booking things. I think um, people will, I mean, there's obviously times of frustration. Um, we have Google Home in our house and I get frustrated with it a lot because I feel like for where things are uh, with with other AI that I'm seeing, I, I can't believe that it, it messes up some things. And, and part of that is me just got, getting accustomed to the fact that um, I can ask it, you know, anything and it can help me 
whether it's cooking or putting on the right music, um, I've just gotten used to it. I don't know, you know, when that makes the leap where people become attached, but I know that um, the bar is going to start rising pretty quickly in terms of like just how competent the AI is. Um, and, you know, it's, it, and I guess, I guess that comes with its own set of challenges for all of us who become like, what, how, what do you mean you can't do this? Like you should easily be able to do this. So our, our sort of standards for excellence of AI are going to get uh, high really fast. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it swings the other way where you become too attached, but certainly possible. But I, I love that film. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are definitely going to be some lonely people and maybe I'm one of them that is just they're chatting to these chat bots in the hopes of like having a good night while you're, you know, I'm sitting around drinking beer and uh, not doing anything. And then the next day you wake up and realize that like, I'm the only person that felt any emotion from that conversation <laughs> three hours last night. Uh, this is not a hypothetical, Tim. I, I feel like you're just like telling us what you did this weekend. <laughs> As the only single guy in this podcast right now, I, I'm incredibly <laughs> depressed now that after having this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, this is my future. Great. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, you could you can vision it very easily encompassing all aspects of life in the coming years, but it's difficult to to pinpoint the bullet points that are going to have to happen along the way. I think there's 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 so much innovation that has to come forward. Well, to that end, I guess, what do you think AI is missing right now? So, like, what hasn't been done yet in AI that you really would like to see it do or think that it probably will evolve to do? I mean, I guess I'm maybe not the answer you're hoping for. I, I think we'll be in a better position to even in, like, a couple weeks or a couple months to answer that question once we have, you know, many thousands of users on GuideGeek because that will be sort of something that I can look, um, you know, behind the curtain and see what's happening and see how people are using it and see how people are maybe stumping it or trying to stump it or getting great answers or bad answers. Um, and, and I'll have a better idea then of like, but I think probably the key will lie somewhere in the human handoff or the interplay between a human on the other end of the AI from the user um, and, and the AI. So, you know, user, consumer on one end, and then sort of on the other end, you have some sort of shared partnership between the AI and a human. That's what I think is, um, is going to be really interesting. And then also how we can best leverage the data that we're getting through those conversations um, with, you know, try, just honestly trying to get people uh, better information or things they're going to be interested in faster. Again, this is just for travel. So it's almost like comfortable for me that we have a narrow scope in travel. Obviously, travel is still huge. It's a huge space. It could mean a lot of different things to different people. Um, but I think you look at ChatGPT, one of the big unknowns is just it's for everything, for everyone, all at once. So it's hard to nail down like what is it missing or what's it going to look like in a year. Um, I think we'll know after and and already I think like personal friends and people connected to Matador are already kind of like playing with and sharing uh, GuideGeek. And now I'm seeing tons of names and queries that I'm like, who is that person? Um, and so it's already kind of escaping and getting out. And so when we go fully live next week, 
um, and we have, you know, thousands of users, I think I'll be in a better position to answer like, what do we want to see next and where is it headed? We'll, we'll come back to that the next time you come on, I suppose. But, but as we wind down here, I want to present a line of thought to you that is something I've heard a lot recently. And then I'm going to counter that line of thought with an opposing view. And I want to get your, your, your take on that because I think it'll be good advice for those listening. So first line of thought, generative AI is coming for our jobs and it's going to result in a lot of people put out of work. We should stop it at all costs and resist it. Second line of thought, Generative AI is going to be part of most knowledge-based industries going forward, and its adoption is certain. Those in many lines of work will be expected to understand how to optimize and implement this technology in their day-to-day, -day, and by doing so now, before it's more widespread, they can get drastically ahead of their peers and set themselves up for future success. Resistance is futile. <laughs> what are your thoughts on those two? I feel like there's a built-in right answer, Tim. I mean, obviously, I agree with the second one. Um... <laughs> I, well, obviously, I knew which one you were going to choose, but well, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I would, I would choose it anyway. But I think the 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 larger point is, anyone who chooses the second one is just going, or the first one rather, is just going to be disappointed because you can't stop the internet, you can't stop technology, you can't limit its use. The cat's out of the bag, like. Uh, no one is going to be, you're not going to be able to ban AI from a, a single industry or every industry. Um, this is, this thing is like fully out of the bottle now. And um, hopefully the people who control these trillion dollar tech companies and people like Sam Altman are going to be, you know, careful with GPT-4 and this, this future, future, future technologies, because I think it could get dangerous. Um, what, whatever you think about Elon Musk, I mean, he's been warning everyone about this for a long time, saying like AI is extremely dangerous and it's not being taken seriously by these tech companies that control it. And we're sort of playing with fire here. And I don't think he means that like it's going to be like some dystopian like Terminator 2 future. Um, but I think, you know, again, with the pace and rate of acceleration. That's the tricky part and what can get dangerous. But in general, anything that, you know, I'm sure when, when the internet came out, uh, when the printing press came out, all the way back, you know, I'm sure people, there was a group of people saying, this is dangerous, we should ban it. Like, that didn't work out very well. You know, it's, um, it, you can't ban the internet, you can't put it back in the bottle and shut it down. So. I think, um, yeah, those, everyone should learn about it. Doesn't mean you have to love it or, or use it every day or um, accelerate, you know, the, the rate of adoption or how fast it could replace you. But I, again, I think that fear is overblown. Um, I think every designer, for instance, that I know is having a blast on mid-journey, um, you know, creating art. Every artist I know is having a blast on mid-journey. They're not like, this sucks. What do I do now? Am I, I'm worthless to the world because of mid-journey and AI art and AI design. Um, so I, I would hope that everyone else kind of has that same open mind and, and thinks to like, how could I embrace this to do cooler shit rather than like, you know, bah humbug, this is going to replace me. Speaking of being replaced, we'll end with probably the most important question we've asked so far. 
how soon will AI replace me and Tim on this podcast? Just give us a timeline <laughs> so we can send out resumes. Never. You know? it will never to... <laughs> there we go. Never. That's what, that's what I want to hear. I, I, I think that we will be uh, talking about it more and more on the podcast and I, more and more of your guests will have more insights to like what they're doing either as a creator or a business or just a traveler with AI. So I think it's going to be a hot topic. You guys aren't going anywhere though. Wait until you hear our next episode after this one, Ross. You'll you'll be able, you'll be wowed. Well, there's another. I forget the handle. I'll find out, and you guys can put it in the notes. But there's a handle of a, a TikTok where there's two. There are two creepy avatars that give you AI news, and they are themselves AI, and it's video, and it looks like a real person, and it's I don't know. It's really creepy. I prefer, I prefer you guys. See. Why have two creepy avatars? You can have two creepy guys like us. That's what I say. <laughs> I take that every day. Uh, well, Ross, thanks so much for coming on. Guide Geek launching next week. Is there anything else you want to say about that before we close out? Nope. Coming to something near you. You'll you'll see it and find it. Hopefully, uh, it's it's going to be at guidegeek.com. But I, I anticipated being out in the wild all over the place. So uh, hope people will give it a shot and see what see what it can do thanks for listening to no blackout dates make sure to subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts leave us of course a five-star review and if for some reason you want to follow what we're up to i'm edvinflow underscore on instagram and he's tim winger one also a big shout out and thanks to our producer alex halke executive producer katie hetrick our email marketing guru kelsey wilking the Manador social crew and everyone else on the team who puts up with us on a daily basis. We'll see you guys next week.